Welcome to another episode of What Will Fergie Do podcast. I am Olu Jimmy, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Mr. Francis. Hola, I'm Roger II, a.k.a. Florentino with the audio. <laughs> with, the, with the leaks? <laughs> you know what? what? I'm, confi- I, I'm convinced that like he knew he was being recorded. Uh, I don't think he knew he was being recorded. Like, look, the reason why I say that because he, he strikes me as someone who doesn't care what people think about him, right? You think no. he would say? You think he would say yeah. oh, like Ozil, your girlfriend was being fucked by the whole crew? He's not going yo, to say that. say yo, they ran through. <laughs> like I, that's what we think used to about call battery it. back in the day, my G. <laughs> <laughs> think about it. This is somebody that has worked with too many great players. Like, there's almost nobody that he hasn't had a bad word to say about. So I think he does care because if you're like this and on, on in the public eye, nobody actually sees you or hears you talk like that. Yeah, he has something for everybody, man. There's nobody that Ozil God, Figo God, uh, everybody. Cristiano God. Yeah. Like, wow. yo, like, I, I, I wonder how that would affect... I mean, it won't really affect their incoming sign in Madrid. They're still... Madrid, they have money, they'll pull people. Yeah, yeah, but I guess like, that's what I was thinking. Like, do you think this will affect like like stars coming to Madrid? I don't think so, man. Like you don't my, think so? No, like my Madrid is too big a club. Like, you do you really care what he says when you see how much is coming into your account every every week? I mean, it might have a little bit of effect. I think I'm more worried about the players that are there currently than people that will come. People there currently will be looking over their shoulder, like, man. What's this guy saying about me? Will he affect my performance? Da, 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 da. I, I think players will think about it too. I, I don't know if it will affect who goes there. Like, will Mbappe change his mind or will Pogba change his mind if he gets the opportunity? I, I don't necessarily think it will affect it that way. But if he can talk that way about Ronaldo, Casillas, uh, Raul, like these are players that did big things for him as a president, players who delivered for him in a big way and he's talking about them as embassadors or a dog or the work you know like yo yeah I, I i feel like you should you should be worried when you are signing signing any kind of deal with that guy <laughs> do you <laughs> do you guys do you on a serious question do you guys actually see him going anywhere like do you, Who? do you think it would affect his position as president Ferentino. oh not at yeah. all no not at all Nah, yeah, it's no, very hard to become um, Madrid president. Like, I don't know if you guys know this, but he actually changed the laws on who can be appointed as president to suit him. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, have you know, when, like I, when, I, when I hear that, you have to put something, amount of money down. Like, he made it so prohibitive that, like, it's only a handful of people that can qualify, and he's primary around it. Like, he meets all the, all the requirements, so... When yeah. I hear that guy, I feel of I feel I remember Don Corleone from Godfather One, like the guy that was talking, uh, Scarface's father. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's who I think of when I think of Fiorentina. That, that guy is, man, that guy has so much power, especially in Spain. Yeah, he's powerful. I don't know who's if it's Barcelona. Yeah, you can maybe say this person might, this person, but Fiorentino. Man, that guy has been there for what, fifteen to twenty years, and he had it spell before that first. Ah, man, that guy's a don. 
Anyways, um, all I have to say is um, football is a small world. Um, <laughs> let's. <laughs> let's hey, get... is that a reference to Jose Mourinho? I don't know, man. If you know, if you know, if you know, you know. <laughs> Shout out to Chris Mullin and Mkhitaryan. <laughs> you know what? I actually pictured you putting your hand like on your cheeks and doing that. I, I did, I did. <laughs> um. Anyways, I forgot to introduce the pod proper. So welcome to episode four of the transfer window edition i think it's probably like going to be the final one that we would discuss like transfer and things of that nature um in the coming weeks we'll probably discuss more of the insights of how we see the season going and um where we see ourselves being at it in the season and stuff like that um but let's start off with the biggest game so far this summer the final of the euros england versus italy England lost in penalties. Um, was it 3-2? Yeah, 3-2. 3-2, yeah, in penalties. Um, Francis, uh-huh. how did you see that game going? Did you? I know you are, I, I predicted 1-0, which I guess was good for the first 20 minutes. After which, like, you could tell, like, Italy was coming back and they were coming back to win the game. Can, um, can I say sorry? something real quick? Yeah, you can say something. Shout out to uh, Mr. Larry Waju, a football expert. Um, He's the only one that predicted 1-1 and was going to go into penalties. So give credit where credit is due. Um, I, I, I barely do that, but uh, I real recognize real. You know what I mean? So that's, that's a round of applause. I appreciate the shout out. I appreciate the shout out. <laughs> but no. You know what? Uh, I was gonna say I wish you were one of those, you know those sound applause sounds where you just say. Hey. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm sure, I'm sure uh, uh, the the uh, sound editor or pod editor, the producer, has, uh, the producer right. has, a, <laughs> he, right. has an, he has an app for that. <laughs> you know, you know who came to when I just said producer right now. <laughs> uh, the, the commissioner. The Arsenal fan. Shout out to the commissioner. Shout out to the commissioner. <laughs> now, Jimmy, to, to answer your question, um, yeah. the final, it was an interesting watch. Uh, I mean, obviously, England had the upper hand like by scoring in the very first, what, four or five minutes? Shout out it's, to Roberto Carlos Shaw, by the way. I know, man. Shaw, Shobeto Carlos. Is it Shobeto Carlos? Yes, yeah, Shobeto Carlos. Okay. yeah. You know, good interception play from him in the defense because he's the one that started all of that. He got the ball, he gave it to Maguire. Maguire did, I, I can't remember what happened in there. It went straight to Trippier and then Trippier sweet cross to look sure, you know, and he, he just he just banged that in. So um, he, he, instead of very interesting, we thought England were going to capitalize on that goal and, you know, push further and maybe just sweep Italy apart. But you know, I, I think England were the better team for the first 20 minutes, first 30 minutes. And then Italy gradually got into the game. In one hand, you can say that the goal was probably the worst thing to have happened to the game in the sense that, you know, England could just sit back and Italy would be at, you know, coming at them all through. But then on the other hand, I think it made for an interesting game as well because I think if it was 0-0, England would be more conservative and try to just catch Italy on the counter-attack while Italy will, you know, just keep passing, passing around and trying to score them. But it made it for a very interesting game. Um, I thought one of the standout or a couple standout players were um, 
what's that guy's name again? Chiesa, the left-footed Chiesa, guy yeah. from yeah from or Chiesa from um, UV. Um, and Sinye had a couple good spells, but he was not, you know, he, I don't know if he had his best game. Georgino was Georgino was very good. Ferrati was very good. At least centre backs were. It sometimes it's very surprising to hear that they are thirty six and thirty seven. I, I remember, man. I remember mm-hmm. Moreno saying those guys can teach about defending in Harvard. They they really can. They're, those guys are very good. But all in all, good game. Uh, Italy came back into it. I thought Italy could have won it in ninety minutes, but they didn't have enough firepower up front to to win. Thought defensively, England were solid. They've been especially solid. because Kesa came out too. Uh, that's true. He had he had a foot injury. That's true. Um, uh, in England, they've been solid all through the game, all through the the Euros defensively, and I think they were solid as well in 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 the in the final. Um, although they started off a little bit too conservative, playing with five defenders, but I mean you don't expect anything attacking from from Southgate. Um, but no, good game. Went to extra time. Nothing much happened. Went to penalties. Lo and behold, um, it just it was just bound to happen. The two United players back to back just missed the penalty, and then Saka, nineteen year old, the whole world on his shoulders with the last penalty in the game, he missed it. That was the one that I actually I wasn't mad about Rashford and Sancho missing a pen, but it was more of Saka, like he's nineteen. Why would you make him play the last penalty? I think the best player in the team or the best penalty taker in the team. Should you know take the last penalty, but again at the end of the day they told them to take it. They stood up, courage to them. It backfired. It didn't go as well. It is. It is what it is. But uh, Italy won, and uh, to be honest with you, I think the best team for the entirety of the tournament won won the the, the Euro. So it was a good tournament. Good teams turned up, and uh, yeah. Larry, uh, my question for you is: um, Do you think Southgate cost England the, the trophy? And I'm only saying this because I remember when we were all talking, like, I think a couple of weeks ago, and we're saying, okay, like, England is up there with Italy and all that. And I remember saying, like, the only reason why, even though I picked them to win the final, the only reason why I don't trust them is because of the coach. Like, for me, coaching is not when you're up, when everything is going good. It's in those moments where you can see that things are turning on your team. And you, it's, it's, you're supposed to make changes. And this reminded me of the final where we had um, Europa with uh, Villarreal, where you could tell things were not going their way, and then the coach just refuses to make changes, or he made changes too late, or things like that. That's why I'm asking that question. Yeah, I. it's hard for me to say that, because I, I think Southgate was very, very safe. He was very, very conservative with the way that he played. He tried to set up very defensively so that they don't, you know, make too many mistakes and then trust some of the attacking players to, you know, create some magic to get the goal and then they can defend that goal. Um, I think it's part of what got them to the final, although that, as much as their schedule um, was what helped them get to the final. In the last part, I said, you know, I wanted to see England go to go through some type of adversity and then have to overcome that to earn, you know, the championship. And, I, I, and you know, they didn't do that because this is the first time that they faced any real adversity and they just kind of waited pretty much the entire game to see out the lead. And then even when they conceded, they didn't take any initiative 
he didn't bring on Grealish until the 99th minute or something like that. And then after that, he brought Sanford, Sancho and Rashford at the very end of, of, of the game, right? So I, I, I feel like in this game, it probably cost them. But at the same time, this is who Southgate has shown himself to be. So, you know, he got them to the final, even though they didn't do anything in the final. It's, it would be weird for me to be too harsh. I think it's also interesting. I saw that um, England in the semifinals of the World Cup, which they lost to Croatia, it followed a very similar pattern to this game. I think in that game, Trippier scored early for them. England decided they wanted to sit back. And then Croatia actually scored in the exact same minutes that Italy scored against England in that same game. And then I think Croatia scored another one to, to win the game. In this case, Italy won on penalty. So, you know, are the English fans extreme? Like, you know, a lot of people can't see that Southgate is a problem in that final game because they've never seen, they've never been to an European final before. So they can't really shout. But we know that in, in you know, if that was Mancini that was managing England, England probably wins that game. And I think that's also part of my point because if you see the stark contrast with Mancini, who, even though they had tied the game, he was making subs to win the game, if that makes sense, right? He took out a signal. Who else did he take out? He took out a couple of players that you think if the rules were reversed, Southgate would never take those players out, right? And the game was in England. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you're also at home, so you have the home support. So, you know, so they, to me, they don't have any excuses, but Overall, I think the disappointment isn't that they they didn't win. You can live with that. It's that they didn't really try to win once they scored. They just locked up. They were playing with five defenders, really seven if you count the defensive midfielders, because those guys were not really crossing crossing the line. So you had three attackers, you had seven midfielders, and then once you score, you can't get the ball out of your half because there's so much of a gap between your attack and, and the rest of your team. Yeah. Also, I never understood the the change. You take out Rice and then you bring in the Henderson. I don't think Henderson offers you anything different. This is just my opinion, man, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. Does Henderson offer you anything better than Declan Rice? No. Not really. Yeah, so like I never understood that switch in the first place, if you're trying to change the game. But anyways... It's England's loss, <laughs> which they literally did. <laughs> let's move. Let's move on to some of our pressing topics. Varane, do you guys actually see this happening? It looks like we've been linked to him. Like every other day, there's a news that we're close. We're getting closer. I just, I, in my my opinion, is like I feel like this is one of those transfers where we'll be very close, close, close. Remember when? Who were we trying to sign a couple of years ago? Where every day was like, oh, United is close to signing this player. <laughs> but it never yeah. happens. I think this uh, is just one of the. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say I think this is probably got a similar kind of thing where the news of us being close, being out there, favors like the owners of United, right? But I don't, I don't see them paying money to sign Varan. I don't know. I might be wrong, but you were gonna say Lanry. At this point, I would be surprised if we didn't sign him. Like oh, I, yeah? I, yes, I think there's a better chance that that we sign him than. That and we don't sign him. Yeah, I'm I'm fairly confident because I just based on some of the reports that have been coming out about he has told Madrid that he wants to leave 
And some of the reports coming out today are, is that like Florentino Perez has now said, you know what, he wants to, he doesn't want to try to convince him to stay any longer. And that he's now going to negotiate with United about a price for the player. And the expected price is 50 million euros. So I expect that we'll get more information about this next week. But I think um, I think we can start saying welcome, Varane. Do you, do you agree, Francis? Welcome. He's already he's already wearing United shirts. Yeah, I I think so too. I think there's been so much news, and and one maybe one holdback that people have been hanging on to is Varane is away on vacation and he needs to make a decision on you know if he's going to accept what Madrid is offering him and whatnot. Plus all these leaks that Fiorentino has been you know, has been throwing out there. Who knows? Who knows what he has said about Varane? Maybe maybe he slept in Varane's bib too. I don't know. <laughs> so I think Varane is just going to pack his bags and and leave. But I, I to be honest, I th- yeah, I think if I'm to weigh his chances of coming versus not coming, I think it's more seventy to thirty. So seventy to him coming, thirty not coming. Okay, I think that would be a nice brain though, because Maguire really like impressed me these Euros. Like the Maguire's come up in this room <laughs> was very, very like besides I think sure sure had had like a who would you say had the biggest come up in the Euros? Come up. In terms yep. of like your people's per- uh, perception of them before the Euros and oh probably Euros. probably look sure. No, but look sure was been doing this all season though. It's only my you fans that saw what Luke Shaw was doing. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't overestimate what Maguire did, to be honest, because one, he was playing one, he was playing in the back three, and he was playing on the in a team that prioritized. Hey, how many times playing... did he play back three though? England twice. played mostly back three. No, like they, played, twice. they played back three twice. They played back three against Germany. They played back three against um Switzerland. Switzerland. Against um, Germany, Maguire did not play. No, I'm talking about back three, like the formation that they played. Maguire yeah, didn't but, start the tournament because he was injured. Yeah, but you are saying Maguire. And he played against he, Germany. What are you like? No, he played all the way through from from when when he started playing. He played all the way through. Yeah, but he missed the first two games. Germany was the quarter oh yeah, final. yeah. Germany was quarter final. They played back yeah. three against Germany. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. So like he played in a back three, and like the way England played, it favored defensive setup. It favored stability. Oh my back. god! This Hold guy. on, Again. bro. Just give Maguire credit and let's go. Like nah. All I'm saying guy. is that I'm all. All I'm saying is that in a team like that, it's easier to shine. Like England was favored in every game that they played, right? I guess you see part of the problem with United is that we have Fred and McTominay in our midfield. None of us want to see those two guys playing together. Larry, anymore. Larry, you are you are part of the problem with United. <laughs> okay, Give credit tell me where why. credit is due. Maguire bold. Maguire bold. Okay, if Maguire is balling, why is he constantly playing um in, behind two defensive midfielders? Which I, I, which dominant midfield do you see play? Uh, which dominant defenders do you see playing like two or three defensive midfielders? Wait, wait, wait. How is that Maguire's fault? Is his fault because if your defender is world class, you don't have to play two defensive midfielders. So You're protecting in, in, your in, defense when you do that. So, but the, France played very similar though. 
It wasn't two defensive midfielders. What's Rab- 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 Oh my god, now Varane. Varane was shaking like so much. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm not saying Varane is a bad player, but I don't think anybody can tell me. Let me know if you guys disagree. Can anybody really say that Varane wasn't shaking in this tournament? Man, Larry, I had to please, man. No, Francis, know. answer the question now. Was he shaky? I, thought, I, I don't think I thought, he was shaky. I don't think he was shaky. You thought Varane was solid in this tournament. I thought he was... I thought he did... I guess, I guess you're, easy, you're easy to please, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, yeah. don't, don't threaten me with a good time, my G. <laughs> <laughs> a good time. Anyways, um, let's move to the next uh, player on our list is uh, Trippier. How do you guys see... Do you guys... Do you think this is as close as Varane's? And Francis, I'll start with you. Yeah, I mean... I think it's. I don't know how close it is, but I think United is, is the interest real. I think the interest is real. Um, I think we've come to see that uh, we have a backup for Wambisaka. Well, first of all, let's give Wambisaka his respect. He's a starting right back. I think that one is has been made. Clear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think is is a starting right back. I don't know if he's ended, but he's a starting right back. <laughs> I'll swallow. I'll swallow that pain pill. And you don't then, know if he's ended yet. You're asking us to give him his respect. No, no, no. I, I'm not saying. I'm not saying. I, well, I was being sarcastic when I said give him respect, but I think some people take that a little bit seriously. <laughs> so, secondly, we have Dalo who's coming back. Um, I think it's obvious that either Ole doesn't fancy him, or he thinks the boy is young, probably the same age as Wambisaka. And um, both of them maybe need a starting role. So I would either sell one and get an older guy that would be a backup. I think that's probably the reason behind it. Because I think Dalo is good as well. But defensively, he's not. He, he's maybe lacking a little bit. Um, so if we do sell Dalo, um, the obvious replacement will be to get Trippier, who's a little bit older, um, can come in and play for for um, Wan in some games, and he, I, I think he's he's decent. He's not that good. He's not great. Um, I think Kawaka is better than him. I think the only, you know, uh, no, I won't even call the outstanding skill that he has, but one of his, you know, good qualities are his set like set pieces and and crossing abilities. He's, he's good at that. So um, I, I can see why they are interested. And it's because uh, Wambisaka is not really the best on the ball. And I've been seeing rumors that even some other teams are comfortable leaving Wambisaka alone on the right-hand side because they know before he gets the ball, traps it, and thinks of what to do. Like someone that's going to school will have come back. So, Give him his respect. He had the same amount of assists as Luke Shaw, man. Put some who's, respect who's, on his name. Who's counting? <laughs> but no, I, I think the interest is there. If we get Trippier, good. But I don't think he's a need. You know, I think if we solidify our defense, the next place we should be targeting is is DM before we start thinking of right back. Um, worst case, we keep Dalo, but I, I, that's that's my my opinion at the end of the day. Transitioning to our DM era, like you said, um, good segue there. We've been linked with Declan Rice. Mm-hmm. Well, recently in the news, um, I think according to the Transfer Window podcast, um, they're saying Ruben Neves is also available. 
um, for us um, as a target in case we don't get Declan Rice. Um, uh-huh. Don't forget. Carlos what position Lucas. would you, yeah? What position would you say Ruben Neves plays, um, Francis? Because I don't see him as a DM. Like I don't. I don't know. Yeah, he's not. He's, he's not your. He's not your natural DM. He's not like an Indidi or uh, or Bissuma. It's more like a, a CDM. Like he, he reminds me of Carrick. Like back in the day, someone that that stays in between the in between the just above the the center backs, and he doesn't like tackle or he does if he has to, but he's more reading the gameplay and trying to intercept um, passes or trying to you know be two steps ahead of where you know the opposition player is going to pass the ball and you know be in that right position to get get it so that's that that's that kind of player he is and he he can pick a pass and i think that he, i think in relation to man you getting him he'll be a very good um addition to the team because he's very good on the ball and he has he has scored some really good goals from outside the box I remember the one he scored against Manchester United. So <laughs> that, that one I know for sure. Um, but then if you ask me the question, though, get Declan Rice for 80 million or get Neves for 40 million. I'm getting Neves for 40 million. Because I don't really see that much difference between both of them, to be honest with you. I think what's the difference in age? age what's the difference in age? Declan Rice will not be more than 25, 26, I think. No, what about Neves? And, no, sorry, Neves will not be more than 25, 26. Nah, oh, I would okay. say they're about the same age. Yeah, maybe a year or two difference, but I don't think. Yeah, yeah Declan Rice is like what twenty-one, right? No. Yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah. sure about that, but I'm sure I'll start and he's tw- he's twenty-two. He's twenty-two. Yeah. Okay. And then Neville's probably twenty-five. So, yeah, I agree as far as the way you put this. Where if if Declan Rice is eighty, but I suspect that if we get Declan Rice. It's because we are able to leverage Lingard in the deal somehow. That's the only way I can see it happening. So, you know, Lingard plus 40 or something, or Lingard plus, you know, something something like that, where it reduces the initial cost United for the player. Um, that, that's where I can see that happening. And I think Declan probably has to ask for the ask for the move. It, I don't see, I, I know we've been linked with linked as far as like, Seeing what's going to happen happen with happen with that transfer, but I don't know if we will be able to afford that transfer at this moment. And to be honest with you, I'm not even sure I want Declan Rice because I want to get away from Fred um, Scott McTominay and Fred as a defensive pairing, and I feel like Declan Rice is just kind of more of the same. It yeah. just it's more conservative. Like he he does a lot more in terms of winning you the ball back and giving you something to a springboard to act on from attack. But from like an attacking sense, I don't really think he's a threat in terms of creation or in terms of even controlling the flow of the game, um, you know, in a game where we're playing against high-class midfielders. So at this point, I, I would still, I, I would probably go with Ruben Neves if he costs much less. And I would also go with Kamavinga. Uh, the more I looked into Kamavinga over the last few, I think he might be somebody that um you know, somebody that that can really help us and he's he's also super young. So before we wrap up, goes. I have a quick fire question for both of you. And you guys can answer yes or no real quick. Lingard is back training with us. Do you guys see him Ooh. having a role? Do you guys see him having a role in the team this season? Yes or no? Or do you let I me mean, okay, do you see him having a role or do you see him going back on loan? 
roller coaster. (laughs) 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 What's more likely to happen? Him playing for us or going alone? Yeah, I don't think I don't see Lingard staying at United this season. Yeah, I feel like once once sorry, yeah, I I feel like once you've tasted um, a constant, your your name is like one of the first on 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 this on team sheet for every starting lineup. Once you've tasted that um, over a course of time, I don't know why you would come back to a place where you know for sure you're not going to start unless you're just there for the money. And it looks to me with the way Lingard has performed in the past three, four months of, you know, the last Premier League season, he still has ambition to play. He still has that hunger, that drive. So he's not really looking to come back to United to sit on the bench. And I don't think Ole can, you know, Ole is a very good man manager. He can tell him, oh, you're going to get opportunities and blah, blah, blah. But you can tell Lingard knows, everybody knows that Lingard is not going to start. So um, knowing the Lingard that I've seen in the past three months or four months, his drive would not let him stay at United. And that's the only reason why I feel like he's going to push for a move. Although I know United want to sell him as well. Now that, you know, he just came off a very good end of the season, they can probably get the most money for him right now. Um, I think United want to sell him, but they obviously they will not say that to him. Um, but Lingard will want to leave as well. Okay. And I'm guessing, Larry, you're sharing that same sentiments, right? It's. I think it's, it's more likely, if I had to grade them, I would say um, the most likely scenario is that he gets old. The second most likely scenario is that he signs a new contract and stays. The least Likely scenario for me is that he goes out on one because in his, he's in the last year of his contract. But I, I don't want to discount the fact that United can give this guy a new four-year, five-year contract if they can't find somebody to sell him to or somebody that will you know, meet the valuation that they have. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Lingard start the season with us. For me, whatever we decide to do with him, I just want him to go to a place where he can play and he's happy because... Like, for some reason, like, when he was playing good at, uh, for West Ham, I was actually happy to see him, like, link, the old Lingard back, where he was just, he was joyful, he was dancing. I kind of missed that. <laughs> J-Links. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> I think we had Jesse at United. We saw J-Links at, at West Ham. Like, we haven't seen J-Links in a long time. So, whatever things that we do, whatever it is that we do with his contract, I just hope he just has to go to a place where he can play and be happy. Yeah. He's done, he's done good for us. Exactly. Um, yeah. Anyways... We can wrap up this episode. Thank you all for listening. Oh, wait. One one last thing. Um, United is oh, playing yeah. on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, we have a game on Sunday. Preseason has officially started, kind of like you intimated. So I'm looking forward to that game. And just in general, looking forward to seeing United in, you know, as yours and seeing us get back together and seeing, seeing us, you know, um, prepare for, for the season ahead. Yeah, that's true. Thanks for the reminder. We're playing Derby... County on Sunday and then QPR after that and then Brentford and then Preston. Who set up this preseason? Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of tough games. <laughs> who set up this preseason? <laughs> Somebody <laughs> who likes snacks. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, thank you all for listening. Um, give us a follow on socials at what will fair good do on Twitter. And Instagram, and if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please rate, rate us and review us. Five stars only, and you know the rest. Thank you. <laughs>